I'm recording. Uh, we probably should have counted down anyway, but... Hey, fuck it. Who cares? I f- I feel, well, as long as you're recording now, this is the cold I, f- I feel like, feels like, uh, I've told you this before, feels like I'm showing up to the office to, to like, do an inventory yeah. review. Yeah, this is, uh, I've kind of been low on the sport for a little bit. I mean, not because of the fights necessarily, the fights have kind of been cool, but, uh, I guess it just, it kind of ebbs and flows. So, uh, yeah, welcome, everybody. Hello. To, uh, this is a Tengridome episode. Uh, th- yeah. This is certainly a Tengridome episode. I think everyone can tell by now. Yep, it's very Tengridome. Yeah, <laughs> not only that, but I'll probably also put the uh, the thumbnail and write that this is a Tengridome episode, so everyone will understand that. Mm. So, uh, yeah. That, that's fair. But uh, uh, So, yeah, we hope you're in the right place. That's something. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hit the wrong thumbnail or whatever. We, we uh, hope you're not in that I mean, situation. This, but yeah, this is a January episode. January is always, you know, it's it's the fuck you. It's January time of the year. Uh, uh, everyone suppose, is as opposed to last month, which is fuck you. Is yeah, December. I mean everything these days is just it's fuck you. It's year. Uh, a, yeah. a red letter media That's viewers true. shout out to the, the, the <laughs> you get it. Anyway. Why are we here again? We're here to talk about uh, uh, Keita versus yeah, Chikadze, I guess. Fight. Yeah, uh, decent fight. I guess one of the few featherweight fights that actually should happen, uh, which it's getting increasingly rare, given all the, the news that we're hearing. So that's that's fun, right? I mean, uh, it's it's kind of it's it's one of those weird ones where kind of makes you question the state of the division once again because like featherweight uh, i mean it's historically been one or two really really good fighters and then everyone else and now with volkanovsky and max holloway it's it's basically it's the same shit as always it's volkanovsky and holloway and then everyone else and yeah i think the the big problem in my opinion is that like yeah, obviously it's pretty in most divisions really at this point. Like there, there tends to be like a specific elite tier, and then everyone yeah. can't really hang with them. Uh, but in divisions like bantamweight, it feels like the people who can't hang with them are you know where they should be in the rankings. At featherweight, it's all messed up. None of it yeah. Makes sense. Like um, uh, even if you look at the rankings right now, like you look, let's look at the top fifteen. Like Alex Caceres at uh, at number fifteen. Like <laughs> what? That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing there? Shane Burgess at 14. Well, that kind of feels low, but mostly because Quarantillo is not ranked. Yeah. Yevloyev is at 13, which I guess I guess it sort of makes sense that he's there. So Dick Yusuf, Bryce Mitchell, Edson Barboza. Uh, Chikadze is uh, one of those that I feel like uh, are way, way overranked. For the um, for for what he brings to the table, comparatively speaking, I'm not sure. I feel like this is one of those fights that might show it, but it also might not. We're gonna get into it deeper in a bit, but yeah, it's uh, it's weird because I think Chikadze, like the only decent guy he's beaten at this point, is Edson Barboza. I know a lot of us want to think Cub Swanson is that guy. At this point, I'm not sure he means a number eight ranking, like anything significant towards that. Uh, he, he's solid, definitely, but you know. I'm not sure how significant just, that I is. I mean, I guess it, um, I feel that way because there's just such a gulf between the, uh, the, well, basically like the elites of the division and then everyone else in the rankings and then Giga Chikadze. Like, you got like Yair Rodriguez, who, I mean, sure, it was... Yeah, you got some guys who are two steps Yeah. <laughs> like, you got... <laughs> it's like the skill level just plummets past number one and then you just go what's happening there what what is this Uh (laughs) yeah i mean i think it's it's odd because like you could really you can't really point to volkanovsky ortega and call it a competitive fight yeah but you could say that ortega had his moments and didn't look like you know dead in the water for the entire thing just for like half of it which you know that 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 happens, but then you look at Max Holloway versus basically anyone except Volkanovski. You're like, okay, well, there's a reason why this demarcation exists. Mm. If that makes sense. Like Volkanovski is going to reliably beat people by one. Max Holloway is going to beat the shit out of everyone except Volkanovski. So, uh, 
with that in mind, uh, I mean, I guess Rodriguez had a good showing against Max Holloway, but that's because Max Holloway is this is still the same Max Holloway as he's always been, with the same weaknesses and tendencies. And Rodriguez just had like the usual things that give him pause. And then, yeah, I think Rodriguez also kind of got the shit beat out of him. Yeah, you know, not well, pretty badly, but not you know as one sidedly, I guess you could say. I mean, basically, it's something that he kind of showed the thing that I wanted Kater to show uh, against Holloway, which is to, to stand a stand and throw instead of just uh, going backwards and then when your back is uh, flat against the fence, then you throw, which is something that Kater did. <laughs> but yeah, I, mean, I think. That was a weird fight. Not Cater. Rodgers, yeah. I mean. um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird to say a ton about that fight. Like, I, I watched that fight. Most of what I saw from it was uh, Rodriguez's feet always being in stupid places. So Max could just sort of blast him with the right uh, to the body every time Rodriguez left. But, yeah, that, that was, like, one of the big dynamics of the fight. And Rodriguez, yeah, he did a better job standing his ground and hitting. But also, like... It, it felt a lot more tankable than even what Cater landed on yeah. Holloway, just because Rodriguez has like the, the feet of someone on ice and the form of someone swatting away bees. So it's really hard uh, to, to beat Max Holloway that way. But yeah, uh, insofar as where the division stands, I think it's kind of bizarre just because Calvin Cater, he's down at number five. And I feel like if he's still the guy he was against Max Holloway, that's probably a little bit underranked. But that's mostly because the guys at three and four are kind of nothing in the rankings. Um, I mean, Rodriguez has shown a certain degree of improvement, which is uh, which I guess kind of helps his case a little bit. But I, I think Rodriguez is kind of a situation where his losses are going to be close. But I also don't know how yeah. often he can parlay those into. And, wins. The, and then, and then like, immediately after Rodriguez, he got Korean Zombie, and like, what the hell is he doing there? <laughs> and apparently, since Max Holloway is out because of an injury, which is the recent news has been have been that Max Holloway aggravated an injury, a pre-existing issue, and now the uh, rematch against Volkanovski is off, and so Volkanovski is gonna beat up Korean Zombie. <sighs> That's incredibly odd. I, I don't like that whatsoever. I mean, I do like it because I like watching Volkanovski beat. Yeah, but, up, but it's it's not really like useful. logically it it doesn't really make sense because Korean Zombie, I believe, is coming off a, off a loss. And no, he's off. The oh game. yeah, yeah, that was a thing. I d I didn't watch that fight. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 right. I didn't care. I don't think. <laughs> honestly, the way that I'd put it is, if TKZ is getting a title shot off that. It's kind of bullshit that Cater fought Max Holloway at all, considering he beat Ige kind of better off seven yeah, like, with the win before that. You, you got Dan Ige at nine and a Korean Zombie at four and Korean Zombie getting a title shot off a win over a guy who's number nine ranked. What are we doing here? With two losses, with losses to two guys above him. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of trash, but... It's just, I think that's kind of the problem with Featherweight. Like, you could even see it with um, the week after this one's booking of Ilya Topuria versus Muvzar Ivalev. Uh, it's really the prospects killing each other while the contenders... Oh, yeah, like there. UFC and... 270, Ngannou vs. Gunn, which is the uh, first pay-per-view of the year, I guess. And uh, yep. at on the main card, we got Yevloev versus Topuria, which is... Ostensibly, it's a great fight. Yeah, I like it, it as a fight. I don't like it right Pretty now. much, yes. It's uh, it's the, the classic lateral matchmaking that UC likes, which is like prospect versus prospect, and they beat the shit out of each other, and then, which doesn't necessarily like spell good things for them going forward in the long run. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing, is really Cater versus Chikadze is the one really defined bit of good matchmaking that we've really seen in featherweight except for Volkanovski versus Holloway for like a while um it's it's really odd because all the contenders get to really the worst of the top five contenders get to sort of sit there or fight up where the better ones just sort of have to fight they kind down. of exist in, uh, they by, by that I'm mostly just they kind of exist in a limbo kind of they yeah I think that's the thing is Rodriguez he got to sit out for two years and fight Max Holloway which is kind of stupid uh, TKZ got to sit out for like a year at a time and keep fighting decent guys uh, Ortega got to sit out for two years and fight TKZ in a title eliminator which was kind of suspect um, 
And really, it's just those three guys underneath the top two that sort of lock everyone else out, even though they're all probably a little bit worse than um, than Calvin Cater, than maybe Josh Emmett. I'm not sure about Josh Emmett, but like I'm sure the three after them would give them pretty competitive fights, if not beat them, which makes their position in the rankings very weird because they're never going to fight those people. Yeah. Featherweight is bizarre, is how I would put it. Uh, especially, like, given the... It's just... I keep going back to that talking point. It's just, like, like the weird, bizarre disparity. Uh, the weird dichotomy of that division. Where you've got two of the pound-for-pound, pound, one of the, like, legit one of the greatest competitors in the sport uh, up to this point. And then... <laughs> just It's just a bizarre assortment of, like, decent guys. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying they're, like lack skill i'll say some of them are bad uh, yeah i mean sure yeah but like comparatively speaking they're better than some of the guys that we see at say welterweight which is a wasteland well true and yeah. so it's as a division it's pretty much fine but a lot a, a lot of um the things that make it tick just kind of sort of don't gel well together they just kind of like don't form this neat uh system <laughs> It's 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 yeah. all a weird, bizarre mishmash. But I mean, I guess we've spent it's a... enough time rambling on about it. Uh, I mean, we can yeah. we could just talk about the fight it's itself. A... Yeah, it's a thoroughly unmeritocratic division, but it's been that for a long time. So I guess that's the bright side. But yeah, the fight. Uh, so as I mentioned, Calvin Cater uh, fighting down, which I think it's actually kind of weird. Not to harp on this point too much, but uh, when other guys were off losses to top five guys, they I didn't mean, really have to do uh, this. It, uh, when you're speaking about consistency in the matchmaking, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But when you're talking about this yeah. situation itself, about the context in which he's fighting, that makes... I think it does. I think what I'd say is that this is a piece of really good matchmaking yeah. in a vacuum. But given the context of the division and how it's operated, it does kind of feel like Cater's getting the short end mm -hmm. of the stick in a way that Brian Ortega didn't off his own Max Holloway beating in a way that, uh, well, Korean Zombie did have to fight down, so that I won't begrudge him that one. But Yaya Rodriguez got a lot more leeway off his losses, so it's weird. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a, it's a good fight. It's a very competitive fight. Uh, just in a kind of weird way that I don't think we see all that much, where it's and it, it kind of reminds me of. I would kind of argue that we should see more of matchmaking like this in the future, because yeah, definitely I would say because that. Calvin Cater obviously. I think obviously, the reason it's weird is that we don't see yeah. it as much. I mean, everyone remembers that Calvin Cater got ten shits kicked out of him, and now he gets to fight someone like he he took time off and now he's returning to fight someone who is below him in the rankings and uh, not as dangerous in certain ways so that 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 makes perfect sense it's just that it's yeah, when I mean, when you compare it to the matchmaking that happened before it just feels like odd that that's how it feels yeah I think the UFC is looking at it differently as, you know, they're maybe cashing out on Calvin Cater a little bit. Not that they ever, like, were super in on him to mm -hmm. begin with, but, you know, Giga Chikadze has a lot of things that you might point to as stuff that might annoy Calvin Cater, even if I I'm not sure he's quite as deep a fighter. And, you know, we'll get into that after this, I suppose. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting fight in that sense. But, yeah, the matchmaking actually makes a lot of sense. It's just that, yeah... A, it's not the most interesting fight, I think, that you could make with Calvin Cater, even with the sort of constraint of make it make sense. I think Arnold Allen would have been cool, Josh Emmett would have been cool, uh, and those guys are just sort of sitting around. But Chikadze's benefited a lot from activity, so I get it. Uh, but, yeah, ultimately, I think it's a, it's a tricky fight for Calvin Cater in ways that I don't think we've seen in a while. Uh, but I also think it's one that it could show whether he's regressed in recent times. Because I did see a, a thread on oh, Twitter. Oh, yeah. Con 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 Conor Rebush was talking uh, about how Calvin Cater got worse at boxing. Uh, yeah, I'm not entirely mm -hmm. sure about it, to be honest. I think that's probably wrong. Uh, but, yeah, what's your take on that? I, I don't know. Basically, like, uh, Conor Rebush's entire argument was that uh, Calvin Cater lost the more nuanced looks that he ostensibly showed prior to... to his most recent outings in that he uh, he's lost the starter steps the um uh, nuanced uh, more educated looks with the jab and uh, basically he started sl um, swinging and banging more as opposed to boxing <laughs> which is I, I i i'm not sure which fights he's basing that on 
because if you look at his latest outings, like okay, against against Zabit, he he's looked a bit lost, but he didn't look lost because he didn't know what what to do with his boxing. He looked lost because he kind of like Zabit kind of made him fight uh, a fight that is uncomfortable for Kata ringcraft wise, not in terms of boxing necessarily. It, it kind of, it was kind of awkward for him in terms of footwork. And honestly, I rewatched that fight today. I feel like it's it's kind of weirdly misunderstood, not in terms of like the dynamic necessarily, that's also misunderstood, but also in terms of the mm-hmm. closeness. It felt like Zabit had a, a strong first round. A very I mean, Zabit always does. Go so. there. <laughs> go figure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like there were a lot of like weird little shifty long combinations that Cater eventually figured out, but he flustered Cater badly. And the first three or so minutes of the second round, it was a lot of the same, but it also felt like... Zabit wasn't having a ton of offensive impact, if that makes sense. Like, there were a lot of spinny kick. Like, you could tell with the replays that they showed. Like, the replays that they showed were um, Zabit landing a spinning kick on Kater's mm-hmm. arm. Uh, the, the little trip that he did that Kater recovered from instantly. And a, one of those Cyan Chai kicks, I think it is, that Kater just blocked entirely. So there really wasn't a whole lot of I mean, effective th- offense. Th- that's just, there. just Zabit him. in a nutshell, isn't he? Wherever he is right yeah, now. But... <laughs> Yeah, he's literally in a nutshell and he can't get out. (laughs) (laughs) And then that fight, I mean, basically, like, when uh, Zabit started kind of sort of fading, as he tends to do, or at least tended to do, uh, (laughs) R.I.P. Zabit Magomed Sharipov, then uh, Calvin Cater started, like, figuring out the range. He figured out the range. He started connecting, started boxing him up. It's just that he, then he decided yeah, he to throw like a dumb flying knee and then he got put on his back. And that's that. Th- that's that fight. I mean, honestly, it's interesting because even from the end of round two, you could notice it'd be kind of flagging. And I like first time I watched it, I kind of thought Cater might have nicked the second. Uh, subsequent couple times I watched it, I think it's... I could really see it either way, just because Zabit had so much more, more offense, even if it wasn't super yeah. clean. Third round, it was very weird, because that was... Cater kind of did the Jeremy Stevens thing of only going to the body in the third round when the fight was basically <laughs> over, which, that that was annoying. But, yeah, I think Zabit wasn't a fight where his boxing looked regressed, necessarily. I think it's just the sort of fight that we saw with Moicano as well, where it's... I, I said this... It, 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 it basically kind of, like, so, shows a situation in which an opponent with... Uh, the, an opponent has certain looks and certain... Uh, tools that uh, tend to give Calvin Cater pause in general. Uh, it, it, they, yeah, they kind of I'd historically uh, these things that uh, Mo Aikano and Zabit used to have, like they generally like these things that they do, they kind of tend to mess with Cater. It's just that uh, now that they're kind of like at a higher level than some some people that he's faced on the regional, so he's had more trouble with them. I mean, I think it's a situation where Moicano was kind of the worst possible stylistic mm. matchup for someone like Cater, just someone who could take the jab away with that amount of consistency. Not uh, See, it's interesting, because if you look at UFC 220, you saw two examples of both Cater and Font dealing with guys who deal with the jab reactively, that being Shane Burgos and Thomas Almeida. And they actually did a really yeah. good job, right? Like, Burgos and Almeida gave them trouble, but Cater and Font were able to figure them out because their jab was so deep and granular, and they had the range that they needed. Uh, but if you look at both of their subsequent fights against Hanato Moicano and Rafael Asuncao, you saw very similar things from both of them, which, when their jabs were kind of limited, not reactively, but proactively, not just with the kicks even, but with the guys sort of floating around the outside, hand-fighting away the jab and forcing them to cover the distance mm-hmm. to find them, it gave them a lot more pause. Uh, and I think that's a thing that's been there with Cater consistently, which is why I'm not sure where the Cater's boxing is getting worse I than mean, it comes from. Just because... It's, it's, since... Cater and, uh, by extension, Rob Font rely on their jab so much, by definition, they're going to have to step in, which is a criticism that uh, Conor Rebush put out in that that Cater started using less stutter steps and started stepping in hard on jabs. He's always done that. And and yeah. when faced with kickers, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, try and not step in while jabbing? That, that That's... <laughs> That's physically improbable, at the very least, if not impossible. Yeah, that's called... I've seen Tony Ferguson do that, but he's Tony Ferguson. I mean, yeah. But, but yeah, I think it's... I think that's the thing, is a lot of Cater's best looks came in that Shane Burgos fight, and as... I think Shane Burgos is very, very good, 
but he also fights in a way that gives Calvin Cater access to his best tools in a way that, um, like, even if he makes it hard, it, the range and the style of Shane Burgos's fight gives Cater access to those tools in a way that Moicano or Zabit or even Dan Ige didn't. And I think it's weird, because I, I do agree that Cater's very reliant on his jab. I also think that in comparison to Rob Font, we've seen more fights where his jab was taken away, uh, with Andre Feely in his debut, um, and Dan Ige, those are wins, where his jab was kind of a lot more complex than it needed mm-hmm. to be. Uh, so I think it's it's a weird fight, this one, especially in relation to that Feely fight. But yeah, but- uh, definitely, I think, yeah, I think that's the thing is if you give Cater the, the range that he needs to jab freely, that is without needing to like step in hard, he's going to be a, a tremendous jabber. Like just you know the the stuff that he showed against Burgos, I think it's kind of bad. like if you're a step away. It's, it's kind of like the whole style of uh, uh, Calvin Cater's entire style in a nutshell, isn't it? Like the thing with the jab, it's basically like uh, he needs to have his range with which uh, he's comfortable with. And uh, sure, that sounds like an obvious thing. That sounds like something that uh, that is true for every fighter. It's just that with Cater, it's kind of like especially pronounced because if you look at that max holloway fight what happened was is that max holloway swarmed him so hard calvin kater didn't basically like his brain went haywire and he couldn't find the spots in which he could establish range and that's why he started like backpedaling in in hopes of finding that range again and finding that uh, um, spots in which he could throw again Instead of just planting and throwing, <laughs> which is funny because whenever he actually planted and throw and uh, th- planted and thrown, he actually connected very well with really hard, yeah. powerful connections. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think uh, the, the Holloway fight. It was also one thing that I think um, Connor pointed to, which was that you know he became more of a slugger and he started not really jabbing. But I think it's also interesting that pretty much every time Cater jabbed, Holloway was there to punish the reset. Yes, but when he started swanging and banging, he actually had success. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's the thing is Cater kind of needs a little bit of space to do his best work because he does have a tendency to land that counter and then just sort of shell up and wait for the combination to end. And I think he's a very good defensive fighter and a bunch of context like even in terms of the kick defense i think it's pretty overstated how bad it is uh but one thing that uh, but max holloway was able to keep activating his defense in a way that didn't let him one thing that uh, struck out to me in both the um stevens fight and the holloway fight is uh, kater's ability to find spots in which he can throw a really really nice right elbow uh (laughs) <laughs> like basically, the Ige fight had yeah, that too. He, he knocked out Stevens with the elbow, and then uh, against Holloway, he connected with like five of them in a row. It's just that Holloway is immortal, so it, it didn't matter in the end. Dude, the Holloway ones were they were actually kind of sneaky because they were like those um, those diagonal elbows. Like if you watch um, Robert Whitaker, oh yeah, 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 too, yeah they're that, really like, similar. Weird elbow, he landed off the overhook. Yeah, like Cater <clears throat> was finding those right out of the high guard, which was. It was interesting. Like, the problem for Cater has never been options on the counter necessarily, but I think it's interesting just because uh, the, the Stevens one also came directly off the hand mm-hmm. fight, which is something that I'd like to see Cater build yeah, on a little bit more just because that'll be something that's more accessible. In the we spent a lot of time talking about Cater and talking about how Chikadze is uh, a bit of an awkward matchup for Cater, but uh, in which, in what ways, what does Chikadze do? Because uh, when I'm trying to... Describe Chikadze, all I can come up with is that he's a southpaw and does the double attack. Right. Uh, that, that's honestly mo- most of his game from southpaw. Um, so, first of all, Chikadze, he is. The thing with him is that he's a really hard, really fast kicker, mechanically. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, in a lot of ways, that Calvin Cater is one of the better punchers in the division. Chikadze is one of the better kickers. And I think the limits are kind of similar in that uh, Chikadze, his ring craft isn't awesome. He can move around on the outside, but he ended up on the fence pretty quickly against Edson Barboza uh, and, like, pretty much everybody. I think it's, in terms of his offensive arsenal, it's uh, the southpaw double attack definitely does a good job. So really his uh, aim is to set up the body kick uh, off the left side, which he most kindly calls the giga kick, which I hate. I hate that he, that he did that. It's disgusting to me. Just cause he's good at it, that, but he's that, not the best that's at it. That is the kick. worst thing anyone has ever done in MMA, honestly. And Terrible. people in MMA, look, you know, MMA features people who do like actual, like, you know, 
fighting they, they, they actually do like crimes <laughs> MMA fighters <laughs> in real life I'm more annoyed you, by this you, than you that. got yeah. like Sean Strickland who, who spends his free time threatening <laughs> to murder people being deranged and then you got Giga Chikadze and Giga Chikadze calling his kick the Giga kick is the worst thing that someone that anyone has ever done in MMA in my opinion yep Honestly, I'm more annoyed because there was an interview, I think it came out today, where he called, he said he was going to submit Cater with the Giga Plata, and I wanted to reach out into the screen and strangle him. Uh, but, yeah, that was, uh, th- that's a lot of Giga Chikazes there, he's pretty good at setting it up. Um, you know, you know, you know <laughs> I, I was ambivalent. <laughs> prior to this, to, to, prior to you saying this, I was ambivalent in this fight. I didn't, like, care. Uh, in any like, I didn't care who wins. In any case, it's just kind of like a fight that's happening. It's the first fight of the year, <laughs> so I kind of have to talk about it. We kind of have to talk about it. But now I'm actively rooting for Kata to actually like beat Giga Chikadze up really badly. <laughs> <laughs> who, who the fuck does that? Who the fuck? Fuck fucking! Oh god! Awful! I know it's just terrible. But yeah, that's the thing is uh, Chikazi, he has a pretty solid left body kick all the same. He does a lot of work setting it up with the head kick. Uh, and the the straight left, it's actually kind of less of a threat just because he doesn't do it a ton. Uh, most of the times he does it, it doesn't really look like his kick. Uh, he does Instead of like really turning his hip into the straight, he sort of springs wow. into it, which I think it kind of limits the amount that mm, it hides yeah. the kick. But it, looks, it starts it looking different, and kick. when it starts looking different, it's no longer really like uh, yeah. the real double attack. Yeah, like you could see it in the uh, in the Barboza fight where he threw like this rear kick and then he sort of put his hands down so Barboza was just staring at him and he came in with the straight from that lower angle, which was pretty cool. But like the straight looked nothing like the kick, so it's not really a double attack. But his double attack is mostly the head kick to the body kick. And his body kick is actually pretty sneaky just because it's kind of like one of those triangle kicks where instead of coming out round and like perpendicular to his opponent, it sort of comes up. So if someone tries to block it with the elbow, it has a good chance of sneaking underneath and poking them mm. anyway. But... Yeah, so that's a lot of Giga Chikadze's game, but he's also not southpaw all that consistently. Uh, he goes to it when he wants to set the kick up, but from orthodox, he is—he uh, mostly likes the check hook. He does counter leg kicks occasionally. Uh, honestly, it, I'm kind of at a loss when it comes to what people find really, really impressive about him, uh, just because the fights he had before Cub Swanson were pretty routinely messy. And, yeah. Uh, I, I haven't watched Giga Chikadze. Like I haven't followed his career very intently, but whenever he was on, I kind of like sort of like kind of zoned out really watching his fights <laughs> because really, really nothing of uh, like incredible importance or in- interest was happening. It's just normal kick- MMA kickboxing, and that's that. Yeah, I think. It's weird, because if you look at the Barboza fight, I think there's a couple of things that you could get excited for Chikazu yeah. about. One, he is crazy fast sometimes. Um, even looking at how, like, the mechanics on his shots aren't great. He has, like, this sort of flappy... Uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's 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 not tight punching at all, but it's really, really quick, and that sort of subsidizes it. Um, but who's beating Barboza to the punch consistently. Uh, he has... Solid defense to leg kicks, even though he just eats body kicks and smiles at the other person, which is funny. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's decent at putting combinations together in terms of like, you know, thinking about it, even if his form's ugly. I think the thing that really got me in that Barboza fight, though, was uh, it was really a couple things. One, he is not much of a defensive fighter. Uh, when Barboza was able to enter in with the jab, he'd sometimes do like this really exaggerated weave I mean, and get out. Who, who is a, a, a defensive fighter in MMA, uh, really? True. I'll put it this way. Uh, Calvin Cater, who took, what, like the most shots anyone's taken in an MMA fight in his last fight, he is pretty clearly the defensive fighter in this fight. Um, Although, like, that's not really a good metric. I've been over that before, just because, you know, it's Mm -hmm. all the way. But, yeah, Cater's pretty clearly the defensive fighter in this fight. Uh, But I think it's also interesting, because when Barboza uh, was able to sort of read it and enter in with the jab but go to the body, Chikazi didn't really have that many answers. And we have seen Cater do that occasionally. Uh, It's just not all that consistent. I think we saw in the Llamas fight a whole bunch, and then in the Zabit fight, he only went to the body in the third round. But the left hook is Zabit. You know what I just realized is that it's kind of like... uh, Cater versus Chikazi is kind of like a prelim fight. 
<laughs> in in the sense that both fighters are showcasing the typical like MMA games. Yeah, that's uh, like they are typical MMA stylists. Uh, Kato is an MMA boxer versus Giga, the MMA kickboxer, and they do the the pretty basic stuff that everyone does, but kind of at at, at like a cater at least at a slightly more elevated, more nuanced level than what we usually see on the prelims. Yeah, I'd say that. I mean, I think Chikadze is a lot of his edges mechanics rather than tactics. He does have tactics, but they're not you know, insane or anything. It's just more being really fast and being good at kicking rather than a good mm-hmm. kicker necessarily. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting just because if you look at Chikadze's fights before Swanson, uh, you could really see how crowding him and really the straight punching gave him a, an, an interesting amount of trouble, especially with respect to this fight. Um, guys like Omar Morales and Jamal Emers, they struggled early in the fight. And then in the third round, they just start storming forward, throwing away jabs, and Chikadze would be like, what's going on, and start backing up and eating them. So, I don't know. It's a weird fight. It's definitely it's... a weird fight. I think, honestly, I feel like Feely is closer to Chikadze than anyone Chikadze's fought as Decatur. Hmm. That... It's, it's a... Uh... Just hang on, I'm trying to wrap my brain around this. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I guess. <laughs> just, just, I'm doing the uh, the meme thing. The uh, the guy that throws his hands up in the air. Oh, like, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's just because I, I feel like Chikazi probably should have fought more people like Kater, but also a really nuanced jobber. A new. <laughs> Look like a yes. I mean, a really in, in a way, Kata kind of is, sadly. Really, <laughs> it's just, I mean, just by sheer virtue of fighting at Featherweight, it's kind of everyone, everyone is. That's fair. A, a very nuanced yeah. But I think it's weird because you could see Barboza trying to work the jab a little bit, but he's also not very all that good at covering distance. Uh, that was really the big thing that sunk him against Chikadze, in my opinion, is that he's sort of... And Cater's not immune to this, necessarily, but he, he'd sort of follow Chikadze around when he was on the fence instead of entering in with the jab and doing anything. Uh, where if you give Cater the opportunity to step in with the jab or like give him a bunch of responses, he's probably going to mm-hmm. take advantage of them. Uh, but that's the thing, is if you look at the, the Feely fight, I the more I watch it, the more impressed I am with Cater in terms of... Well, one, it was a short-notice fight, two, it was a UFC debut, three, it was against someone who was, at the time, like, fringe-ranked, but four, considering what we know about Calvin Cater now is, like, a sort of rigidly orthodox jabber type, beating a, an annoying outside kicky type who likes southpaw body attacks is... It's actually kind of impressive, more than people gave it yeah, credit for at the time. Yeah, for a debut um, uh, against the style matchup that is inherently awkward and... Uh, someone like from someone who is pretty decent at it and uh it's a it's an archetype that calvin cater didn't hadn't necessarily like dealt with before extensively it's it's pretty impressive actually really impressive because generally what happens in mma is that whenever guys have their debuts against uh stylistically uncomfortable uh fighters they kind of like tend to shit the bed (laughs) yeah that's true I mean, I think that's the thing, is right? Is that we didn't really know anything about Calvin Cater at that point. No one did. Mm-hmm. So you're like, well, maybe he's just good against southpaws, but then it turns out he's only good against orthodoxes. <laughs> but, or at least his game only really makes sense against orthodoxes. But if you rewatch that fight, you could really see Cater sort of modulating his approach to deal with Feely's southpaw game as the fight went on. Um, Feely didn't really get the southpaw round kick to the body for free super often. Uh, even Cater ate it a couple times, but he you know, was catching it and countering with hooks and stuff. And as the third round went, uh, he came in with this sneaky like inside angle left hook pretty consistently, which uh, caught Feely stepping in with the, uh, with the straight left. He started putting combinations together on southpaw uh, Feely that he would normally do on orthodox, but he was like figuring out the footwork a little bit. Uh, so it was pretty impressive. And honestly, I think it's weird with Chikadze just because you can afford to take a kick so much less. But if you look at Feely's reactions to Cater's entries, the, the check hook, you could see that Chikadze is kind of vulnerable to it with his punching form and the way that he doesn't really have a like deep set of counters or really like chasing Cater back, if that makes sense. Like, if you don't pressure Chikadze, Chikadze will pressure you. But it's... 
it's pretty contingent on you giving up the center, right? And we've seen Cater do that, but we've also seen Cater be downright manic about chasing people around the cage. So it really depends on how the fight yeah, goes. Yeah, it kind of it's it's a weird one because uh, it's it's a guy that dislikes uh, getting uh, both guys dislike getting swarmed. Both guys dislike being entered sure. entered on. And uh, one guy hates straight punching. The other guy has trouble with uh, the southpaw kickers. So it it has all the markings of a fight that could probably end in a really really wonky decision. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like that's the other thing is it seems like Cater has the advantage in things that aren't just the that specific matchup. I think because Chikadze does fade as the fight goes on, as I mentioned, Cater he seems kind of immune to that. Um, and in terms of wrestling, Chikadze's <clears throat> defensive wrestling hasn't looked all that great. Yeah. We haven't seen Cater as an offensive wrestler, but in terms of general wrestling, we've seen more of Cater being good. It's just off the Holloway fight. I don't know how much you can trust yeah. him. That and uh, the sheer fact of, uh, uh, well, Giga's, uh, 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 Giga's body kicks, I refuse to call it the Giga kick, Giga, Giga's fucking kicks, <laughs> they're, they're pretty fast she and hard, and they're kicks. fast and hard enough to give anyone yeah. pause, that's that's one of the uh, those yeah. overarching uh, dynamics in this fight. Right, I think it's the sort of thing where you could, even in terms of kicks, it's generally taken, like, if you watch the Stevens fight again, every time I watch it, it feels like more of a clowning by Cater, mm-hmm. honestly. Just because Stevens, he, he struggled really, really badly to land clean kicks on Cater that weren't, like, directly into his knee. Um, and that made it interesting in terms of the Chikazi fight, just because I don't think Cater's the sort to, like, you know, cross-check southpaw kicks or anything. But we have seen him be diligent about defending kicks, where I'm not sure... Chikadze has dealt with jabs in that similar context as well. Because, um, you know, for Cater, it's like if you're kicking him as he steps in, he doesn't really know what to do because he's stepping in. He's in the middle of that, so he can't just do both of those things at once. Where with Chikadze, it feels like if you just jab in his face enough, he's going to deal with it one out of ten times. But yeah, and generally speaking, uh, kind of swarming past the body kick is uh, a bit easier to do in MMA than swarming past the leg kick. In a certain sense, that's true. Because, especially because Cater would put so much weight on that left hook or jab. Then yeah, <laughs> it's just that uh, how comfortable really, uh, how comfortable really Cater is at, um, how comfortable is Cater at uh, taking that inside angle and stepping in with the jab against southpaws. I can't exactly recall. Is is he is he good at it? If he's good at it, then I can definitely see him winning this fight, like with, with uh, not much issue. Uh, I don't think we've really seen him jabbing against Southpaw as much. I mentioned the uh, the inside angle left hook that he did on uh, Feely mm-hmm. a couple times. But it wasn't something consistent, just, was it? After the in the third round, it kind mm-hmm. of was, but in the first two, not really. Which like really the danger from Chikazi is early to start with, so I'm not really sure how relevant it is. Uh, but yeah, it's weird because I think. Mm. I kind of want to go to Chikadze on presumption, just because he's a tricky matchup for Cater and Cater's off that yeah. beat down. But I feel like Cater's the better fighter. He's more fundamentally sound ways. at the very least. Yeah, uh. it's just like in terms of general, in terms of the opponents they beat. Like if you look at a big control wrestler, for instance, I'd give Cater a much better shot. If you look at even a swarming boxer who isn't immortal like Max Holloway, I'd give Cater mm-hmm. a much better shot. Because if you look at the um. The, the Holloway fight, even. There are a bunch of times where Holloway just eats a counter and Cater's like, oh, you, you gotta stop mm. now. And Max is like, no, I will, I, I will never stop. <laughs> yeah. Like, not even in, like, a broad general fight sense. Like, in that exchange. Like, in the first that, round, I mean, that's literally uh, what Cater happens over and over again. Every time Cater connects with something big, Max Holloway just goes, okay, <laughs> like, back, back to it. <laughs> like, there was a point where Cater landed this, uh, in the first round, where Cater landed this, like, massive intercepting right counter right as Holloway mm-hmm. stepped in. And Holloway, he didn't even bother, like, selling it. Like, I'm pretty sure most people missed that because yeah. he ate it yeah. so well. Basically, like, Max Holloway just tanked every single power shot that Cater threw. This... Yeah, I think that's honestly what made it so much worse for Cater than Volkanovski is that, like, well, yes, obviously Volkanovski is better, but it's also kind of a situation where Volkanovski's uh, tactics for limiting volume are, like, this slick transitional work and, like, the outside footwork for Cater is just pure power and accuracy, and Max Holloway's immune mm-hmm. to that. You can't mm-hmm. do that to him. So, 
Yeah, I think that's the thing is I think Cater is a lot more viable against more matchups, but Chikazi feels like a tricky matchup that Cater might need to think about, and I'm not sure I can trust him to do that. Yeah, and to, like generally speaking, uh, southpaw body kickers are kind of very tricky for a lot of people in MMA. It's just it's a very annoying type of matchup. It's just something that a lot of guys tend to find trouble with. But there's also yeah. this trend of southpaw body kickers uh, banking on that body kick so so much that whenever they find a guy who is durable enough to weather the, uh, the the storm of body kicks, they kind of tend to gas themselves out by throwing the body kick over and over again, as opposed to gassing the other guy out. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that happens all the time in prelims. Yeah, I think the, the funny thing with the southpaw body kick, I think, is that even if you don't land it technically, you're still doing damage to something. Yeah, usually. you beat up the arms, um, you, know, you just kind of like the weather the yeah. like kind of beat up the ribs. It just it just sucks. It, it, it's a it's a painful attack. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what makes it so much more like inherently spammable. Is mm -hmm. that like you're, you're getting the some sort of target consistently, and it's giving it's also giving you the range where like if guys try to step in hard on it, it's just as likely that they're just getting stopped in their tracks by yeah. the kick. So. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I when the fight was announced, I said Cater should probably win it, but it's the sort of fight where even if Cater should probably win it, he, he's going to look kind of terrible at yeah. some points um, just because of the matchup. And because, honestly, like I feel like height parity for both of them is kind of annoying just because Cater likes being the guy to sort of peck from the outside. That's, that's what gives him um, so much purchase with those little stutter steps and the jab blinding guys and being able to step around them, where if he has to cover distance, he's more annoyed. But Chikadze, it seems like most of his defense is just kind of being far away. Uh, he did a couple of like slick little weaves against Barboza and stuff, and he could like parry, but it seems like a lot of his game is just ducking down and being far away, and that could annoy him against someone big and punchy like Calvin Cater. So... I don't know. I probably won't make a pick. I just won't hold out hope for Calvin Cater. Like, he's uh, my favorite active fighter, really, but he might be done, and that, that would suck. Yeah. And uh, there's also the question of just... I mean, Giga is just really, really rangy, really lanky and long. It's just, just annoying in all respects, not just uh, outside the cage, but also inside the cage. <laughs> so it's a weird one. And I'm not sure I'm invested yeah. enough in this matchup to to also make a, make a pick. It's just something that it's kind of like this is this, this episode is us just showing up to work. <laughs> we just showed up. Yeah. yeah. This is weird. <laughs> like I, I watched a bunch of Giga fights, and I feel like I didn't take a ton from them. I mean, there's like, nothing the really. A, there's not me. a ton to take really when you think about it. It's uh, it's kind of like in a. He's when you think about it philosophically, he's like an even more stripped-down version of Calvin Cater, except with kicks. He's like... That's the thing, is like... Chikazi is fine at a whole bunch of things. I wouldn't say he's amazing at any one of them. Mm -hmm. He just keeps winning, and that's incredibly annoying. <laughs> he's, he's functional. He's functional. He's okay. Like, he wins fights. He knows how to win fights. He knows his stuff. He's... He's like if Neil Magny finished people. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and you'd think that Just you'd like, think that would be more interesting, but the core of your isn't. fighter is still Neil Magny, <laughs> so nothing fucking like, changes. I'm not, I'm not even talking about, like, I'm not even really talking about styles, really, with Neil Magny. It's just that, like, it feels like I can't really, it, despite all the, I think that's why he tried to brand the Giga Kick so much, is that he might not be awesome at it, but at least he has a couple finishes with him, and he kicks really mm -hmm. hard. So if he brands it, at least that'll be something that people can attach to him. But if they actually watch him, it's like, well, how good he, how good is he at setting up this kick? Well, not tremendous. He doesn't like, I don't know. He can kick with it. He can kick with the kick. Yeah, he can kick the kick. <laughs> you got this. It's like he has a southpaw double attack, but it doesn't really set the kick up. He has a head kick, but like, you know, it's, it's odd. It's, it's, he has an odd skill set that I feel like it shouldn't. It honestly shouldn't have worked against Barboza. But, I don't know. And honestly, the, the other thing that I wanted to mention with the Barboza fight was uh, when both, when um, the kicking didn't really work with Barboza, like he kept kicking into these cross checks or these leg kick checks. Uh, in the first round, he did this really wonky sort of shift 
uh, it led to the slip in the first round, and that's the sort of thing that I feel like Cowan Cater can punish, even with longer guys. Like, uh, when Zabit kept running in on him, Cater uh, started angling <clears throat> off and blasting him with these hard straights and cross counters, and I think that's the sort of thing that could get Giga in really big trouble early if he gets frustrated with any sort of lack of return yeah. from kicking. Um, I mean... C- and honestly, I've seen Giga do that a lot. Like, anytime he enters in on a punch that isn't a straight left, his feet fall to pieces. I, I mean, yeah, sure. Like, Calvin Cater didn't look all that hot against Max Holloway in the back foot and didn't look all that hot on the back foot against um, guys who can press uh, the issue and go forward, move forward in pressure. But I tend to prefer Calvin Cater on the back foot as opposed to leading. And so I can, can kind of, like, the approach I would enjoy watching him take is... Uh, it, it it would be kind of boring, but Calvin Cater could conceivably kind of sort of like also do the prance around on the way on the outside sort of thing and, and oh, frustrate yeah. Giga Chikadze into committing to these weird like wonky shifts. And that's where he can really nail him. Yeah. I think that'd be interesting. I think I've seen enough of Cater dealing with southpaw body kicks to say maybe he can like step in, draw it out, mm. counter it. Uh, but... I'm not sure he's as consistent with that, but yeah, I think that's the thing. Is Cater, he seems in, in a lot of his harder matchups, he seems to think he's a pressure fighter when he's a counterpuncher. But paradoxically, against Max Holloway, he played as a counterpuncher and it failed as hard as it possible. While having a lot so, of success being a counterpuncher, it's it's a really bizarre fight when you think yeah. about it. It's yeah, it's insane, but yeah, uh, I'll I'll abstain from a pick on this one. I think. It's the better fighter who might be a bit worn against the worst fighter who's a little bit trickier. So, it, it, yeah, I think that's the end of this yeah. one. Yeah. I'm just... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Kata takes this. And uh, it would be a, a good sign that he still... He basically still has it. Alive. Yeah, he yeah. <laughs> still remembers his last name. <laughs> Not necessarily his first name, maybe. Uh, at least that. So... Uh, would would be um and I know if I'm gonna watch it honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might not watch it just because it, it'll make me too sad to watch Cater lose, but and it's incredibly lovely. Yeah, and the rest but of the cars I mean who fucking knows? who gives a shit? Caitlin Chikagian versus Jennifer Meyer. Right Brandon Royval no. versus Oh no. 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 Okay, Royval's fun. I'll okay, go to that okay, Royville, yes. But... Jake Collier, the welterweight who became yeah. a, <laughs> a heavyweight. I will not go to bat for Jake Collier. <laughs> uh, Colt McGee, fucking hell. Yeah, I don't see anything uh, here. Fuck it. Um, yeah, yeah, and then... I think, is that Gabriel Benitez? I think it might be Gabriel Benitez. He's fine. But... Yeah, and that that's the first event of the year for you. That's... that's uh, yeah, that's the UFC showing up to ju- to f- for their job, basically. Pretty much like us. Yeah, I, mean. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I think we've even like we put even more effort than this event. Uh, than this whole thing deserved into breaking this whole I thing. I mean, this down. has been insanely rambly. Like I feel like I've said the same thing yeah. a couple of times. But yeah, better than the UFC putting on one fight cards as a job. I think that's kind of what's annoying me about this is. Like, um, if you look at the way the UFC runs things, I don't think you're very likely to see a fighter like Calvin Cater show mm-hmm. up again, um, where I'm not even talking about his style, although I don't think you'll see his style again in terms of someone really working to get that deep uh, and, you know, getting in the UFC that late. But also it's that with Tuesday Night Contender Series being such a defined, you know, pipeline for the UFC to get this sort of talent, like not great talent, but some sort of talent it's just going to be constant one fight cards forever yeah kind of shaping up to the to be this way i mean there would be occasional spurts of momentum where they would put multiple pay-per-views in a row something like that but yeah um, and that gives them enough goodwill to keep the uh train going basically uh everyone talks about no the ufc is still fine the ufc is still a great organization remember ufc 260 while forgetting everything in between basically yeah i mean i think that's the thing is like you could look at even the end of last year where you had like font aldo and poirier Oliveira back to back and you're like wow this is awesome and then you had versus lewis right after and then this card and you're like well maybe there's one fight between the two of them that's all right Uh, but 
Yeah, I think honestly, that's the other thing with Chikadze is he kind of represents the way that uh, the UFC treats the Contender Series guys because he lost on Contender Series, so it's not perfect. But it's like one Contender Series guy has to succeed mm -hmm. at all for the entire endeavor to seem worthwhile, even though it completely mm -hmm. isn't. Yeah, basically, it's the UFC trying to retroactively justif justify the whole. The, the the amount of effort they put into it, which is which isn't a lot of effort, no. but uh, they still cling to this. Uh, the kind of it's kind of them trying to save face essentially, because admitting that this whole thing is terrible and they should shit can it, I guess, wouldn't play, wouldn't fly well with the investors, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing is with uh, with Chikadze specifically. Uh, he, he lost on Contender Series and then came back like a normal prospect, which I kind of respect. But it's also a sort of thing where, like, talent on the Contender Series generally tends to be a lot worse than Giga Chikadze. Uh, so it's odd. Like, the, the guy that Giga Chikadze lost to, uh, a guy named Austin Springer, is probably worse than Giga Chikadze. Uh, so it's incredibly weird to me. Um, it feels like, well, honestly, to me, it's kind of a referendum on whether I'm interested in MMA anymore. <laughs> But it's also kind of a referendum on whether uh, the Contender Series is even slightly worth it at this point. Just because, like, really what you get from it are, like, Sean O'Malley's and Giga Chikadze's guys who are, like, really athletic and really have, like, massive finishing potential without games that are, like, deep or nuanced at all. Um, I mean, the MMA is... It's one MMA of those generally is in a transitional stage, so we kind of... The, the fight game tends to, uh, like, wax and wane in general. It's, uh, but, True. and now we're kind of sort of in this weird limbo where no one super exciting is coming into the game, but uh, there's still some guys worth watching, but the rest is uh, the the really exciting guys that we used to tune in to uh, to to tune in to watch. They're kind of like they're they're, they're they've got one leg out the door essentially already at, at this stage. Yeah. But, yeah, that's where I've been. I think that's the thing is, even though MMA tends to wax and wane, it feels like the UFC is structurally kind of moving towards a perpetual win, <laughs> which is what's annoying to it's, me. It's kind of um, not not exactly like a complete uh, downward turn. It's 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 not well, falling off a cliff. It's sort of like kind right. of very slowly inching towards like a, a, a bit of a slope, not a sharp slope. It's kind of slope. I think. <laughs> Right, I think it's the sort of thing where the best guys are obviously and clearly better than they ever mm -hmm. were. You know, guys like Volkanovski and Jan and Holloway, they're better than ever. Uh, but it also feels like you're losing the sort of really interesting guys up and down the rankings. Because um, those guys, they either become elite or they just wash mm -hmm. out. Uh, and the UFC doesn't really want to keep them because, you know. The problem is that. The problem is. It guys. would have been fine if the UFC was more active, more proactive with hiring, with uh, really like robust, aggressive scouting. Uh, if they True. actually yeah. found replacements for those guys, for those mid-tier guys or like slightly upper-tier guys, but not quite elite, basically like the meat of your product, what what yeah. what the, what makes up the bulk of your product, but. Yeah, it's just that they're switching them out for contenders, yeah, because guys, it, which is a, a, a big. It's downgrade. cheaper. They can mass produce yeah. them. It's a lot worse, but it's it allows them to put to fulfill the terms of their contract with the with ESPN and put on fight yeah. night cards every week. So that's the that's the honest. <laughs> yeah, like the funny thing for me, and I keep going back to Cater versus Feely for a reason. It's. Like, if you remember the context behind that, it was that Cater was filling in for um, Duho Choi. Anyone remember? Oh that yeah, guy? the uh, uh, the yeah. guy everyone rooted for because he was uh, he looked like kind of like to, like a, 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 a kind of like a reject from a K-pop talent show. <laughs> just, <laughs> no, just just not hot enough to to make it <laughs> in the industry. <laughs> I mean, and DHC was fine, but it's also kind of interesting, right? Because, like, you've got this legit top five dude in Calvin Cater just sort of sitting on the regionals until some random shit happens and he mm -hmm. ends up in there, where you get all these DNCS guys who are kind of <coughs> sub-50 talents who end up just because they ended up with a cool finish on another sub-50 talent. Like, it's—the way that the UFC scouts is 
inherently kind of terrible and there's really no way that they can get everyone good but it feels like there's not really much of an effort which is what's mm-hmm. annoying i mean i i guess the the pay-per-view that's the first pay-per-view of the year gun versus gun kind of looks all right it kind of looks okay it looks it's fine, fine. And, and there's a couple fights that I like, but also Moreno versus Fake Three. So. I mean, Gano versus Gun is a like is a it's a uh, it's a compelling heavyweight. It's a heavyweight fight, but it's uh, a heavyweight fight between new faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by, by by sheer virtue of that, it's interesting. And Gano looked uh, looked like a functional fighter in his outing against Tipe Miocic, so I guess there's that. And uh, I kind, I'm kind yeah, of invested uh-huh. in that fight because I want to see Gano punish Gano for all his prancing around. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... Yeah, I'm not a fan of Nganu necessarily, but I, I respect him a lot more after that uh, Stipe mm-hmm. 2 fight. Just because, like, you know, I, I like Stipe. Like, I straight up like him as a fighter. Uh, and that's pretty rare for heavyweight. And Nganu kind of beat the shit out of him mm-hmm. in that fight. So, I mean, that was cool. And Nganu looks like a fighter who's actively putting an effort towards improving. Um, and that's something that's pretty rare at heavyweight. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hope he beats Nganu. <laughs> Uh, also, it feels like the sort of fight that could end up really, really, really bad if Gon wins. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, first of all, it has the potential to look to to be complete dog shit, and it also has the potential to end in a ten second knockout. So I mean, I mean, it's it's a fucking heavier title fight. What what else do you do you expect really? <laughs> Moreno versus Figueredo. I guess it's kind of like the onus is in Figueredo to show up not looking like a corpse. Uh, yeah, that's that's basically mm-hmm. it. I'm not super invested in that fight anymore, just because, uh, like, I would be if Fig looked decent in that second fight. But it seems like a pretty clear case of if Fig is still dead, he loses. If Fig is still there, then it looks like the first fight, so he clearly <laughs> wins. But... I mean, Moreno has been steadily improving. I guess he's been working on his uh, striking and uh, uh, on the, all, all the Tangino stuff that uh, holds his game together. So there's that. Yeah, I think he's... I think Moreno's fine. I just kind of... Like, it. his title brain kind of feels more like a function of uh, the division going off a cliff than anything I mean, else, it, it kind of sense. started with Figueredo, like, isn't it? It's the whole... The, the, whole, the yeah, recent fly, flyweight title picture, in a nutshell, is uh, whatever's left. The guys who are left are now the yeah. top guys. That's basically it. I think that's definitely true, but it's also kind of a situation of, like, at least... Uh, Fig beat a good version of Benavidez, mm-hmm. who was kind of the de facto champion at the time, where Moreno doesn't really have a win like that. And furthermore, it's like um, he, he has a bunch of losses to the good guys when they were good. You know, he lost to Sergio, he lost twice to Pantoja, and he should have lost to Figueredo. So it's kind of like if uh, if the entire featherweight top five like died in a plane <laughs> crash and Danny Ye became the champion. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, harsh, but but true. That's that's literally what happened. Uh, I mean, no one died in a plane crash at flyweight, but uh, effectively, effectively, that's what happened. The division's been gutted. Yeah. Um, Like, it's not even... It's like um, DJ's gone, Sergio's gone, Pantoja is old, Fig is old. Um, Who else? Like, most of the mid-tier got killed in the purge. So, you know, here's Moreno just in time you know like he's young enough to outlast the rest of the field yeah and uh, then we have i guess I, i've said this before yvloya versus tapuria which is a really it's cool. a really really cool fight but i it's i, I kind of hate it <laughs> i was kind of <laughs> just move <laughs> i mean again it's a lateral move it's not really like yvloya and tapuria moving upwards uh, concurrently, yeah, I mean, it really like honestly, it's the annoying thing that every cool fight these days comes with some sort of caveat. Uh-huh. Like you know, oh, this is cool, but maybe they should both be beating up Korean Zombie at the yeah. same time. That oh, would be cooler. Oh, uh, <laughs> Jackie Ollis versus Dustin Poirier. That's amazing, but I would prefer if they both like continue getting paid by beating up McGregor over and over again. I guess <laughs> that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, even like the the fight that we just talked about for half an hour, like Kato versus Chikaze, is a, it's a genuinely good piece of matchmaking, a compelling match, and I still kind of feel my like kind of unhappy uh, about it, just because I'm way too invested in Kato for one, but also like <clears throat> this isn't an opportunity that everyone else gets, and all the other top fives don't really have to defend their spot at any time, so like okay, this is cool, but why isn't everything else? Yeah, cool? then Greg Hardy versus Alenik. I mean, obviously. No, That's funny. I have no comments about that that are bad. That's just amazing. <laughs> it's incredible piece of matchmaking there from the UFC. Tremendous just fight. <laughs> just, just this, this is my early candidate for fight of the year, honestly, at this stage. It's just, it's just honestly so transparent that they want Hardy to be a thing, and he still might lose, which is awesome. <laughs> he still might lose to Alexei Alenik, who is uh, f- f- like. He's ninety ninety, he's ninety seven years old, and yeah, the... dude is. <laughs> oh fuck's sake! And the rest of the cast is uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we've gone through pretty much everything in the next couple. There's also there's also Bobby at. Knuckles versus the uh, Sanya too. Uh, yeah, I think that deserves. Uh, a yeah, episode, we're gonna talk about it when the time comes. It's, uh, but, yep. uh, February twelfth, so we're just about a month away. Yeah. That's cool. All right. All right. Uh, this, despite everything, despite the UFC's best efforts, we managed to make a functional episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we just hit an hour. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed this. I guess. I guess. Uh, at least we kind of we kind of interest we're kind of interested in. Uh, the enjoyment of our listeners as opposed to uh, the company that we're covering week in, week out. Sure. Uh. All right. Well, yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, this was fun. So, uh, you ready, Timon? Uh, three? Yeah, I'm ready two, to, to, I'm ready to one. fuck off. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, three, two. And we're one. off. We're fucked off. <laughs>